0: All right, are are we ready to get started into the audio portion? Yes. So before we get started, I just kind of want to know a little bit more about my audience here, right? doing the whole audience analysis thing. Um, How many of you guys have recorded an actual some kind of e-learning video tutorial of any kind? Just raise your hand so I know. And okay, so half, basically. And of you guys who recorded it, did you do the voice part? Did it include voice? Is voice new? Is voice something you're like a pro at or what? Which one of
1: those is the question? OK.
0: <laughs> the question is, when you recorded your video tutorial, did you incorporate voice into it? Yes. And was it your own voice? Yes. So several. OK. That's what I'm going to be talking about today, is the, the voice, the sound component behind these video tutorials. Um, And, okay, let me start out with the the basic scenario of how a lot of times e-learning stuff gets produced. You first have a writer who sits down and writes the script, or maybe it's the project manager or somebody. They sit down, they write a script for how they want the e-learning to to be read and so forth. Then you have a whole committee get together, kind of like this, maybe not this big. They get together and they hash it out. And a lot of times the committee rewrites it during the meetings and so forth. They have the guy just like transcribing as people are throwing out, you know, edit this, add this, and so forth. So it gets to be a great looking script after a couple of committee meetings. Then you have an AV department who's got a voiceover talent who's really good at, you know, doing the whole voice thing. So they ship it off to them and the, the AV guy, or the voiceover talent reads it. He narrates it in his best uh, voice. Then you have the AV specialist who's like marrying the uh, voice with the script, doing the online stuff. And a lot of times, the technical writer, the e-learning person does this. And you get the project manager at the end who looks at it and says, oh, we want to change something. And so you have to go around this entire loop again. Yes. How For how many of you is this a reality in your organization, or have you experienced this? A few people. So yeah, I, I experienced this, and it was incredibly frustrating. Um, somebody coming back to the whole estimates, time estimates on e-learning, I once attended a presentation where they demonstrated a two-minute video tutorial and afterwards we asked them how long it took them to produce it and they said 75 hours and I was just blown away. In fact, they had backed down from 125 down to 75. (laughs) Yeah, they they were somewhat proud of it and I think they had a model similar to this. I mean, they had a very Elaborate storyboard that went through lots of edits and so forth, and before it even saw media and then revisions and all, and it was just about how to add an attachment to a Hotmail email uh, item. So it was pretty basic, but I think this model is really flawed because there so <coughs> the, this model it, it it's not very efficient, right? If you're especially if you're in an agile environment, mm-hmm. if you're a lone writer or You just don't have deadlines to really, or you don't wanna go through this whole process. Uh, The tech writer, or the instructional designer, or whatever you call yourself, you have all the knowledge necessary to do each of these tasks. You know the product better than anybody, right? Except maybe a couple of QA people. You know, or or maybe you know it even better than that. So you've got the product knowledge, you've got the, the writer chops to create the script, right? You're not gonna write in these stiff sentences without contractions, you know what conversational voice sounds like. So you can put together something that looks good and you can make edits on the fly, right? So you've got product knowledge combined with writer knowledge. There's this one problem and that's voice. A lot of times, uh, even though we all speak every day, you know, we, we use our voices, uh, the difference between our voices and professional voiceover talent voices is usually usually pretty noticeable. So that ex- this is the problem. This is why you can't just reduce that model to one person doing it all is because writers generally aren't voiceover talents. So in this presentation, what I want to do is try to present some tips to help us kind of make that bridge and develop our voices so that they sound a lot better in these e-learning um, scenarios where we have to record) um, now, there are a lot of different tips that I could focus on, and I chose to focus on about 11. So, let's go into the very first one. Find an acoustic environment. What can you hear? If, you, if you're in this room right now, and you're listening, what is it, can, how can you, how would you evaluate the sounds and the acoustics in this room? What do you hear first of all? That noise. That noise right there, right? <laughs> Which, I don't know if it's because I didn't wiggle this right, Anyway, has something to do with that. Uh-huh. Anyway. Uh, <coughs> I can hear the fan. <coughs> the fan? Where is the fan? The Just all, those those four events. So if we if we unplug this for a minute. Yeah, you can, hear the, can you hear the whole cooling system. You can hear the whole cooling system. Now, in a general conference, right, these, these noises aren't really that distracting. We don't even notice them. But to a microphone that's really sensitive, it's going to pick up that fan and it's going to sound like you're next to a road, perhaps. Um, It depends what kind of microphone you have, which is something I'll get into later. But uh, I hunted around at my work for a perfect room. All right. I thought I just muted. Yeah. I don't think that's it. I think it's just the speaker. That's okay. So that, it sounds kinda like a fish tank, you know, like the <laughs>
2: well it, it sounds like a television. It sounds like basically you hear that when the television's going out. That's maybe just a combination of this picture and the
0: speaker. Well if it gets too annoying, I did bring my own little computer speakers, but hopefully it won't be a be a problem. So, OK. So the first step in trying to ever record something with good sound is to find a good acoustic environment. And a good acoustic environment, A, we said, doesn't have really have fans. It, uh, it has cloth walls. If you have a boxy room where, where you don't have any kind of cloth walls, the sound is going to bounce off of it. So one good, one good test is to clap your hands. And if you can kind of hear the clap echo, you're in a bad spot. So go ahead and, well. Let's have somebody clap. Emily Manwaring, can you clap pretty loud just once, and we'll listen. I can't hear it. Not so bad. If you're in a boxy, boxy room, you really hear that. Now you can't always. Go ahead. You you can clap too. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> but but that little test gives you a good analysis of just how bad it's going to be, and you can really tell when somebody is recorded in a boxy room. Uh, I've got a. A little sample here. This is a boxy room recording. I went into a boxiest room in my work and this is what what it sounded like. One of the first things that you need to find before you start recording is a nice quiet room. You need to find a room where the sound doesn't bounce off of both of the walls. One of the ways you can really test the acoustics of a room is by clapping your hands and then listening for an echo. It's not really that noticeable. If, you're, if you've got I headphones on, know. you can really tell some of the subtleties of that. But that one was, a, was an example. Okay. That was actually a storage closet, <laughs> uh, which was kind of long and rectangular. Anyway, so you want to find a place that that's, has cloth walls, no fan, but also is really isolated. If you ever try to record in, in a place where people can see you, some, some very interesting things happen. Uh, people stop by, they look at you, they see that you've got a microphone, so they think, karaoke, you know, music, what's going on? They're kind of peering in, they'll, they'll just barge in, just walk in and say, hey, what's up? What are you doing? And, <laughs> and this is all great for recording, right? When you're right in the middle of that perfect kind of demo that you're doing, and all of a sudden it gets interrupted. So you wanna find a place that's isolated, preferably a place that you can lock with a key and that nobody else can schedule. So if you can find all six of those, that's kind of a miracle. Usually you only find a few. But uh, you know, after you transport all of your equipment down there and you wanna go out to lunch, you, you wanna be able to lock the door. That's so true. finding that is, is kind of a fun journey to do at your work. Like if, if, you were, if I worked here, I would wander around all the halls, all the places, trying to find a space. And if you're lucky enough to have your own office, maybe you, you cure that, but a lot of times offices have thin walls, the guy next to you is yak- yakking on the phone, and it comes in, and your microphone picks it all up. Rich.
2: You know, I'm, I'm sorry, this is one of those trivia things that I haven't picked up online somewhere, but I've heard of some people that do audio for business, and what they did was to get around the problem is, they literally built a cardboard box with egg cartons lined around it. And they would literally, when they do recording, they put the cardboard box over their head. Because <laughs> it their- totally absorbed the sound.
0: And, and the oxygen? <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, that's the thing. I don't know exactly, but that's how we did it. Is, is they basically had the cardboard box, and the cardboard box did it in place. <laughs> It was a crude way of doing it, but it worked.
0: So- so we have a, I have some examples of that sort of thing. Oh, my
2: goodness.
0: Well, the, well, what you were describing seemed a little more extreme, where you actually have the box around your head, which, yeah. which isn't quite the, the level I've gone to. Okay. But, but I'd heard about the foam thing. So if you look on the left, this is egg crate foam. I was like, oh, foam. I've got some egg crate foam in my basement that my, my cousin left last summer. And I'll just take a cardboard box and kind of glue it on there. Foam, by the way, doesn't glue onto cardboard. So <laughs> anyway. Carried that around to work, people thought I was was homeless, they made jokes, you know. Um, I set it up, it was very hot and very unstable and it didn't really make much of an effect. I tried to do it with and without and tried to determine whether it was really worth it. It didn't really make much of an effect and later I realized there's a difference between egg crate foam and acoustic dampening foam. So uh, acoustic dampening foam is a lot more expensive than egg crate foam Uh, and this is what the middle picture shows. Harlan Hogan, he's one of the voiceover pros. He sells this little thing for $130. All of it, is, and it doesn't include that microphone, by the way.
1: <laughs> no, no, it
0: wouldn't. No. All it is is a little, little foam insulation that's got, you know, the, the expensive acoustic dampening foam. But he, when he's traveling, this is what he uses, and he goes in this hotel. He sets that down, and his microphone is pretty isolated. You can also buy something called a reflection filter, and this looks a lot bigger than it really is that's almost like real size right there <laughs> I went into to performance audio downtown um, and and actually looked at it it was like this big it wasn't it wasn't like this huge thing no it was and that's three hundred dollars you know so that's kind of a lot of money to 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 plunk down for a little uh, acoustic device or acoustic wall if you if you want you could just hang blankets or something around but anything that would like kind of absorb the sound is, is good a lot of times in a conference room you can't do that right you can't just bring in 10 different blankets from DI and just string them around and so <laughs> or nail them into the wall so you're really kind of limited in what you could do depending on your environment the absolute worst place to ever do things <laughs> is at home so one day I I sat down and I was like, I'm going to do some cool like video audio podcasts. And I needed a place with natural light. And what's the best place with natural light? Right in my kitchen, right next to the big patio window. And of course, it's right in the middle of traffic of all my kids, and they were so excited about the microphones, they could not keep away. And they, while I would be recording, they'd grab it and they you know, it was a nightmare. So very well. yeah, it didn't work out well, and it ended up in a major frustration. Uh, so, so you got you got to try to find an isolated spot. Some people who do record at home actually record in their closets and so forth, but this is also problematic because it presumes that you're just speaking the recording. You're not like simultaneously using your computer. So that brings us into uh, the second point, which is to sound natural. Now, this is kind of a big point, and a lot of these a lot of these points try to lead us toward this, but the. One of the biggest problems you'll run into when you sit down to record is, A, do I write out a full script first and then read the script and then record? Or do I write the script and record at the same time? Or do I record and then write the script and then sync them? Or do I not write a script at all? Do I use bullet points? What are some of the things you've done when you did your video tutorials? Did you write your full scripts?
2: Absolutely.
0: <laughs> And did you record at the same time as you read your script, or did you read your script before or, or after? Or I what? wrote the
2: script, so I already knew what it said, but I read the script while I was
0: recording. So you did it simultaneously. So I found th- there's a lot of variation in this, and there's no right way to do this, right? Some I was people
3: recording. You meaning like screen capture? Yeah.
0: Sorry. Yeah. Thank you for clarifying that. So, what should I call that? Screen screen, screen recording. recording. Okay.
3: Okay. It wasn't that
0: kind of
2: recording. Oh. Oh. I re- there were no screens. Oh. Okay. We're yeah. I had all kinds of stuff that was going to go
0: on on the screen. But yeah, Yeah, it really depends on what you're doing here. So in this scenario, let's say that you're demonstrating software, you're a task in some application, and you, uh, you've you got this script out. Now, if you're doing a webcast, something that's going on the web, like 90% of videos on the web don't have recorded scripts. They're a lot more informal, so it'd be kind of out of place. But in the corporate environment, it seems like the standard is to have something formal, formally written down because you're, you're a lot more precision out of your language is, is demanded and so forth. And people don't like it when you make mistakes or say uh and ah uh, and so forth. So let's say you write the script. As soon as you start to read that script, it's very hard to still sound natural. It begins to sound like you're reading something. And that, that is one of the things that you have to overcome if you want to have this professional, uh, personal kind of, vo- or the personal kind of voice is to avoid reading it. So I have a couple of samples. <clears throat> and the first is by David Rivers. Uh, so I was, I've been having this dilemma. I, I was having this dilemma about when to basically read the script. Whether I, I used to produce video tutorials by <coughs> recording the script first, and then I would sit down, I would listen to it, I'd follow along with the mouse, and then I'd open up Audacity and, and Camtasia, and I'd kind of sync the two, and it was a pain. One day I was listening to this tutorial on PowerPoint by, by this guy at uh, lynda.com named, named David Rivers, and I noticed that he didn't do it like that. His was all synced up. You could tell that he really didn't write, write it out, and I actually emailed him because I wasn't sure. I said, do you, how do you record these things? And he said, I do record my screen and narrate simultaneously, as do all of the authors at lynda.com. lynda.com does a lot of video tutorials and so forth. I personally re- I rehearse each movie before recording, but even then, it's not always a perfectly smooth recording. All recordings, once completed, move on to our editors and testers before any customer ever sees them. So while I try my best to get each movie captured in a single take, there's more happening behind the scenes long after I've completed my part. So with actual with their permission, I'm allowed to actually play the David River script uh, that I thought was was. I mean, it was instructive. So I'm going to play it, and this is an example where he's recording the screen and he's narrating at the same time. And then I'm going to play one where the guy's obviously not recording the screen. He's totally narrating in a different environment than, than uh, he's doing it. Okay.
3: Well, we're going to go to the Home tab if you're you not already down, there, and, and you'll ahead. see there is a drawing section here where we have shapes. So when we click on the shapes drop down, look at that, there's lots to choose from. There's lines. Now this line is a plain old line. Some of them have arrows on the ends. Some of them you can see bend or have elbows as they call it. Some of them are curved, curved with arrows. And then there's even way over here a scribble or a freehand draw. Then we've got rectangles. Look at the basic shapes we have to choose from. There's the no sign and the happy face. This one will come in handy at Valentine's Day for example. Then we've got block arrows. We've even got equation shapes, flow charting shapes, stars and banners, even columns if you're drawing cartoons, and some action buttons. So we've got lots to choose from here. Let's start simple. Let's just start with a simple arrow. We're going to do a double arrow here from our line section. Click the double arrow. And now down below, we're going to join these two. Now you can see I hover over an image like this rectangle. I get these little red handles around the outside. That's because there's a lot of automation
0: built into drawing now. Sorry, I don't actually have the video that goes along with it. Uh, but there is one, basically. Uh, I was only allowed to u- do use the audio. And besides, we're focusing on audio anyway. But you can tell there, as he's narrating, he's kind of picking up on things. He says, oh, this heart will be great at Valentine's Day. Well, I doubt he would have included that in this script if he had written it out and so forth. And when he moves his mouse over, over things, he can comment on what he's seeing at the same time. Whereas if he had written this out, trying to get that timing exact would be really hard. You know, Trying to make it so that when he moves his mouse over something, over, over an object, uh, and he's explaining what that is, that it actually syncs with the timing of the application's movement. So here's another example for comparison. This is a different guy doing e-learning. This time, it's a script.
4: Wash fruits and vegetables thoroughly and rinse in warm water. Don't use soap or detergents. If necessary, use a small scrub brush to remove surface dirt. I know it's the first page footer because it says so right here. That's like a compilation. If I ever do want to add text here, I'll see at a glance which footer I'm working with. In order to be eligible for voluntary retirement in CSRS, an employee must be age 50 and have 20 years of service covered under FFLEO retirement. Let's take a moment to review what we have learned about interventions. Read the following statements and indicate whether they are true or false. If you would like to listen to the statement, click on the ear icon at the left. Each of the lessons in this course offers specific instruction on how to apply one of the following elements to help you reach your audience with written communication. You've got a lot of options here. Look at the package of label sheets you purchased for printing your labels. Information on that package will help you make your choices.
0: Okay. Okay. So, you, I'm sure you could notice a difference in the style, right? The, the second guy, Peter Drew, he's a professional e-learning voiceover talent. They send him scripts and he reads them like that. And, and these guys have demo clips where they do a montage of all their different audio, audio voices. So that's why it's jumping all over in case I wasn't clear. Whereas the first guy, right, he, he's re- looking at the screen and he's kind of doing it spontaneously. Without an agenda in mind here, which one did you prefer?
2: It, it kind of <laughs> depends on, on on who your audience is a little bit. Um, I I liked actually the second one, but the he reason why I like the second one is because the first guy he was basically kind of going doing a very big a big stream of information and he wasn't stopping. Uh-huh. With the scripted narration, he took deliberate breaks. He would say da 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 da. And he deliberately did that because he was breaking up the information so he was clear, clean, and concise. Yeah. And he was trying, it was, it was easier to understand. Uh, the other guy, I've, I've heard narrations like that before, and it's easier, but it's not as
0: clean. The other guy, meaning the, the first one, work, yeah. Mm, yeah, with the first one, there's a, when you don't have a script you're following, there's an easy tendency to really just ramble. You can,
3: to be slow. can go
0: off on tangents and so forth. But it does sound more natural. It's more of like a conversation with somebody next to you. Dan? Yeah,
3: that's what I was going to say,
1: too. Yeah. Sometimes with the second audio, it can be very repetitious. Yeah. With the way they talk. And the first one sounds more personal, like they're talking to
0: you. Mm-hmm. So you like the second one because it's more personal? It no, feels the one. Oh, the first Sorry, the Sorry, se- the first one. That's what I meant. Because yeah. it's a little more personal. It feels like somebody's actually talking to you. Whereas Rich liked the second one because it was like more precise and clean and to the point and, and a little clearer. Okay, Paul.
4: I found the first one more engaging. Yeah. Uh, if, I had, if I was sitting in a computer watching that tutorial, I probably would have watched what he was doing because I would have wanted to see where he was pointing his mouse. The second one I probably would have been reading my email Yeah. while I was watching because I, I, I was not as engaged by what he was saying.
0: So whether you choose to use a script or not makes a huge, well, whether you choose to, f- to literally read the script as you're as you're doing it, makes a huge difference in whether it sounds natural or whether it sounds stiff, but it's really your, your, your challenge to make it sound natural even if you're reading it. So,
5: Sarah. I don't Sarah. know if you would recommend this or not, but I have a client that I do some consulting with and he um, writes these really long legal documents and he wants to put the whole thing on the website, you know, and so what I've encouraged him to do for, his, for good SEOs, get some videos and stuff, you know, and and is just to read through those the articles that he's written a couple of times, so he's really clear, you know, maybe get his own little bullet list, and then sit in front of his webcam, and not sit there and read it, word for word, but to just say, hi, I'm attorney so-and-so, and I'm gonna talk to you today about this, and he knows it because it's really, and he's written it, and the content's fresh in his mind, and he's just kind of talking on those key points, um, but you know they don't have to to hear they don't yeah. have to go line by line. So you're
0: saying you're saying your your recommendation for this client was to basically write it out so it's in his mind, but then to just kind of go from a maybe a brief outline or something.
5: Mm-hmm.
0: And I think that is an excellent strategy. Um, what I've adopted is uh, I, I get into my little table where I'm recording, right? And I set up dual monitors, and the left monitor has the application, the right monitor has my script, and I can edit it easily. Um, when I have some, some kind of concept, I'll actually probably just read the paragraph. But when I go into the steps, I am watching the application, and I'm just kind of talking through it. So I, so I blend the two. And when you blend it like that, it's actually somewhat seamless. Um, it's really when you, when you read at length that you slip into this rhythm that's hard to, hard to get out of and get back into that natural voice. But if you, if you blend the two, I find that it works well. But different things work for different people. Rich.
2: Like the second voice, if he was reading like he was saying about bullet points, basically from oh, yeah. PowerPoint, and reading it word for word, I'd be totally bored out of my skull, and I'd be like, so "Yeah, skip this, skip this, skip this," you know. I'd be going fast. But if he was talking off topic or off what's off the screen, then I'd be engaged. Yeah. So it depends on the video as well as the
0: audio. So if you have a bad script, really, you're gonna have a bad r- result, right? And especially those long list of bullet points, you're gonna lose people. I'll get into that a little bit more. Uh, but, but one way that you can avoid the reading rhythm and avoid sounding like you're reading is to add inflection. So th- there's, these, are, these are like sound waves, right? The top one is pretty <coughs> much my normal conversational rhythm. When I'm speaking with somebody, if I were to listen to kind of the ups and downs of my voice, it's pretty normal. But if you, if you listen to like actors on TV are a lot more dramatic, they're up and down, they're all over the place. Because when you add inflection, it gives your voice a lot more emotional appeal. Um, I think we're just trained to know that when people are inflecting, there's more meaning behind what they're saying. It just automatically kind of increases our attention span for this kind of thing. Now inflection can, uh, I have some examples. I'm not gonna play all these, I just kind of put them up there. I have an example from Harlan Hogan and Kelly Casey. I think these are from E-Learning Voices or something. They, they put on their, their demo clip. And with this first one, try to listen for inflection. And tell me if you think, he's still reading a script. It's obvious he's reading it, but he's adding a lot more inflection, so it's, it's not as bad as that Peter Drew one. Or I shouldn't say as bad. It's not as apparent that he's reading. It's friendlier. When you want, yeah.
6: here, you'll have access to the people, presentations, information, research, and records you need to keep your goals, classes, and education within reach. For instance, these links over here help you keep track of your assignments and due dates. So the advice I'm going to give you, Colin, on your first day here is to use it or lose it. Your brain. You use it or you lose business. When hazardous materials come to the gate, you must be prepared. Each year, BNSF Railway moves thousands of shipments of hazardous materials without incident. In this program, we'll take a look at what you should look for and what you should do in the event of a hazardous material release. In England, one of the most notable examples of the Renaissance man was a woman, Queen Elizabeth I. Queen was a highly complex individual whose tastes ran from high culture to the popular amusement of bear-baiting, in which a bear would fight with savage dogs. But she was also a poet and a musician, spoke classical and modern languages, and was both scholarly. And witty. Well, when the war was over, we naturally wanted to get out of the toy business. We weren't interested in doing that kind of business, and I uh, got a contract from Hotpoint General Electric for an internal block for their electric ranges, and uh, that's what got us started in the direction we're in now. Impaired lipolysis of triglycerides is thought to be due to a reduction in lipoprotein lipase activity. <laughs> <laughs> the is a his tech one. The <laughs> <competition> <laughs> in which may improve reverse cholesterol. transport. <laughs>
0: So this guy gets paid. This guy is like a millionaire, by the way. He, when you listen to commercials on TV, listen for this guy. He, he is one of these voices. And when I initially conceived of this topic of developing a personal voice in audio, what I really thought I wanted was somebody natural, like a friend, sitting next to me talking about things. But I wouldn't mind listening to Harlan Hogan narrate something just because his voice is so friendly. Even though he's reading it, I like it. And part of the reason I like it is because he's got good inflection. It doesn't sound monotone and flat.
5: I Sarah. I noticed he did a really nice job with like pausing for yeah. emphasis. He, yeah. He, the, way, the rhythm of how he was delivering that was so cool. Was
0: yeah, definitely the, the, the pausing is, is a huge part of that. So. Um, I could play another one, but that one drives the point home, so I'll just leave it there. Uh, there's a tendency with inflection, though, to go overboard, and it's really easy to overinflect. And Maybe if you, you overinflect, okay, the the too much inflection. Th- these bottom ones are me, by the way. <laughs> you oh. know I, this is the too much inflection. It's not that too much, but it it's it begins to sound corny if you're you know just overinflecting. By the way, one good tip while I'm thinking about this. If you, how many of you have children? When you're reading stories to your children, this is the best time to practice your, your voice over because yeah. they love it. Anyway, a lot of times my kid's like, dad, just read this story. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, okay, so this is too much too inflection. Much and maybe i just click this guy. Oh, sorry. To initiate the installer script. Open your web browser and go to your URL, followed by wp-admin slash includes dot php. If you configured your database settings correctly in the wp-config file, you'll see the install screen appear. And if not, it probably can't connect to the database. So what am I installing, by the way? Don't say anything. <laughs> yeah, word for So it's just, just a random little thing I was reading. But, it's kind of too much inflection. It, it gets distracting. It sounds a little corny. All right, let's go on to the next one. Can I, oh, yeah. As a comparison, can I hear the too
2: little one? I just want, or
0: the, yes, the monotone one? OK, yeah, this is monotone. To initiate the installer script, open your web browser and go to your URL, followed by wp-admin includes.php. If you configured your database settings correctly in the wp-config file, You'll see the install screen up here. If not, it probably can't connect to the database. It's not bad, but it's, it's, not it's somewhat. not monotone, but it is. Somewhat, yeah. Yes. But the only difference between that and the other is that there's less inflection as I'm talking. And that really kind of defines the reading voice as I'm trying to demonstrate. OK. Actually, uh, I did a lot of posts on my blog about this. Uh, at i'd rather be writing.com. And one of my readers, Alistair Christie, who also has a podcast at itauthor.com, said that he his advice is that uh, in our, if we try to mimic our regular speaking style and use that as our model, we might be going a little bit astray because in our regular speaking voice we don't have the inflection that we kind of need to be engaging. So his advice for what it's worth would be don't be afraid to ham it up just a little. So, it's good advice. Yes. You don't think so? No, okay. It didn't
2: sound like it
0: was yeah, different. I kind of maybe I didn't I think push you're it over. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Get, get a second opinion
0: because yeah. that, that much inflection might sound okay to some So, okay, Joe. Uh,
2: May I ask, were, were you being sincere with the over
0: Yeah, I mean I was intentionally trying to over-inflect.
2: So because I, I almost wonder if the problem there wasn't really necessarily with the inflection, but it was with the sincerity.
0: Yeah, could be. Yeah, it could be a sincerity problem. whole realism thing is another big issue we'll get into a little bit later. So Paul brought pencils, actually pens. So what? I, this is going to be, this is fun. Um, in The Art of Voice Acting by James Alberger, they re, he recommends a technique that we've known since the Greeks. Was it Demosthenes or somebody? Who wrote re- stones in his mouth? Yeah, yeah. And, and I used to think, you know, sure, I've heard that sort of advice. But then I started to do it. And oh my goodness, it makes a huge difference. So I have a, a clip. This is from the CD that comes with the book. So I don't know if I'm allowed to play it or IP. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> IP police over there might, might help me. But this is a three minute <laughs> clip from James Allberger explaining this technique. And after he explains it, we may decide to do it, depending upon my response here, your response.
7: This is my favorite exercise for improving vocal performance. To do this, you'll need a cork from a bottle of wine or a pencil. The cork will give you a better workout but some people have difficulty using the cork, so a pencil is certainly an alternative. I'll explain how to use both in just a moment. With this exercise, you can hear almost instant results in improved articulation and clarity. First, find a paragraph of text from a book, a newspaper article, a magazine, or a script. Begin by woodshedding the copy for your best interpretation, then record yourself if at all possible. Turn off the recorder and then do the cork exercise. Then record yourself again, performing the same copy after you've worked out with the cork. Here's the exercise. Now, this can get a little messy at times, so you might want to have a tissue handy just in case. If you're using a cork, hold the cork horizontally, place it between your teeth, so there's about a quarter of an inch behind your front teeth. Sort of like smoking a stubby cigar. If you're using a pencil, bite it lengthwise so it's near the front of your mouth. If it's too far back in your mouth, it'll make the exercise difficult to do. Now read your copy very slowly. Make sure you clearly speak every sound of every word, every vowel, every syllable, every consonant. Get the middles and the ends of every word. The idea is that we want to over articulate every sound. (laughs) Be careful you don't rush past the little words like if, of, and, the, but, and so on. Listen to yourself very carefully as you do this exercise, and if you hear yourself rushing past little words, just go back to the beginning of the sentence. Read your copy using the cork or pencil for at least a minute or so. You'll find your tongue, lips, cheeks, and jaw will get very tired fairly quickly. That's absolutely normal. The intention here is that you're going to be exercising muscles you normally don't use when you speak. Just as with any other exercise, The more you tone your muscles, the more efficiently they'll work for you. The script on page 46 of the Art of Voice Acting book is excellent for this exercise. I'll read a little bit of it for you with the cork in my mouth, just so you can hear how this sounds. This is the best part. Come in today for (laughs) special (laughs) savings on all patio furniture, lighting fixtures. Doorbells and buzzers.
0: Okay, we'll stop it there. So we could do this now. Or you may feel embarrassed. So maybe we'll do it. How many want to try this now versus how many want to do it at home? Okay. Okay. Put the pencil in your mouth. And you're going to read the notes that you've been taking. Uh, And if everybody reads at the same time, nobody will actually hear everybody. (laughs) Well, you're going to do this for a minute. And then after a minute, you're going to take the pencil out of your mouth and keep talking. and, and you're going to see that uh, articulation is going to come a lot easier. So go ahead and start. This is one of the very first things that I'm doing. We we're talking about over articulating, really trying to put the pencil in your mouth so that you're actually articulating. One of the things that you have to avoid when you're articulating is to really uh, avoid a sense of overdoing it. Actually, you want to under, you want to overdo it rather than underdo it, because when you over, when you underdo it, you're not really exercising all of the, all of the sort of techniques that you could be doing. And this leads to a sense of leveling in your arms. Eventually, these muscles should start to get really difficult, and things should start to get harder. And so, as you're beginning to articulate more and more. Okay, now go ahead and take the pencil out of your mouth and just keep 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 speaking. Keep reading your notes. Okay. You can, you can you can slow down now. So the idea here is that in our, our 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 muscles, in our mouths, in our face, they get lazy. We don't have the strength to really deliver a good performance. It's kind of like a sport, right? You could teach somebody how to shoot a basketball, but until they develop the muscle memory or the, the right motion and all the muscle control, they're not gonna be able to, to score. They're not gonna be able to make a good shot. The same way, as you develop the strength of your facial features, of, your, of your, whatever muscles uh, you use as you speak, uh, you're gonna be able to deliver more articulate kind of um, scripts. So you should be, as you do this, by the way, a good practice is if you're driving to work and you're listening to the news, just kind of put a pencil in your mouth and repeat the news as you're driving to work, as you hear it. And uh, to do that for a while, and it will kind of strengthen strengthen uh, your ability to articulate. But, you, but his point there is to over articulate. Um, I've really found that this point is, is critical. And I gave this presentation at the STC summit, and I didn't have this point in there because I thought it was too obvious, but but in the time after the presentation, I'd begun to sort of listen to this and try it. And I found that this is one of the best techniques for improving your voice. Because as you kind of over articulate, a lot of other things happen as well. You start to project better. You start to um, read with more inflection. It just, it, it kind of is one of these small things that once you do, it carries in a load of other good uh, voiceover practices. Okay, number five. This is. <laughs> I don't know if this is really a vo- vocal technique, but I wanted to include it because I thought it was important. Avoid rambling. Um, when I ask people about video and, and whether they, they prefer video formats or written formats, sometimes people who pause with the video say, well, I don't really like videos because they takes forever And I'm sitting there waiting and the person never gets to my answer and just I'd rather just go quickly to the answer in text and One of the the pitfalls of any kind of e-learning endeavor is to have this 10-minute kind of long video that users have to watch The effect is that you kind of end up rambling or or it seems like you're rambling to the user. You're not really succinct and to the point. Rich mentioned earlier he liked that one because it seemed a little bit more to the point or, or succinct. So um, oh, this is a, a, a quote from Christy, Christy Leach, who is a person who, who uh, is a great, great blogger, and I know her. And she said previously she kind of didn't like screencasts because of this same thing, that it would take forever. And then she had this turnaround moment where where she really did see the power of screencasts. But one way to minimize this rambling is to keep your content short. Uh, web, what is it? Web Video 2.0. There's a, a site that did some analysis of the most of the most uh, optimal time duration for a video on the web, and they found that between two and a half to four minutes was ideal. Um, they did thousands of. of examples and basically the principle is that the longer your video is the less likely it is people are to watch it so at the same time though you don't want to have like a five second video because what what do you really (laughs) accomplish in five seconds Uh, brooks andrus he is the guy who develops a lot of the uh camtasia studio platform and he he believes that twitter should be our model for screencasts for these short video tutorials he thinks that like 120 seconds should be our maximum kind of time frame for this, which is really short. He says, most users don't have the tools or narrative capabilities, and by users, he, he's meaning people who are producing this, to hold the attention of an audience for any real span of time. So if you go to the movies tonight, for example, and you go see Clash of the Titans, or some visually, visually stunning movie, Actually, I haven't seen that movie. It's the one I want to see tonight, but <laughs> it, looked, it looked like it had good previews. Um, if you go to a, a movie in Hollywood, you've got explosions, you've got car chases, you've got uh, you know, romantic scenes, you've got engaging dialogue. All that stuff holds people's attention. That's why they can sit there for two hours. But if you are having a software demonstration, you're seeing a little mouse move across there, you're seeing a little pop-up, you know, it's not something that's really going to captivate people for any length of time. So because of this, unless you wanna start incorporating all kinds of snazzy cinematic techniques, um, if you're just doing a simple screencast and all you have is your voice as the entertainment, your best bet is to keep it short. Because when you keep it short, the audience is still in control of the content of the experience. They can click around to the other videos. They can choose their path of instruction. They're not just like forced to sit statically. In their chair, as the next slide appears or the next pane of instruction appears. So, unfortunately, I have a bolted list here, so we'll just get done with it real quickly. <laughs> There's several advantages to, and and it, this is a slide I actually hate, so I'll I'll remove this from the presentation <laughs> afterwards. I went to I went to uh, Disneyland last year, and. Uh, you know, for a family of five, getting into Disney, Disney World, sorry, uh, in Florida, is no small price. And um, actually, I had some friends who were able to let me in. But anyway, that's another story. <laughs> 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 the next day, so my kids went to Disneyland. They went to all the stuff. We did all the, all the classic things you are supposed to do. The next day, we went to a beach. Cost was free. After that, I asked the kids, my, I have three young girls under the age of 10, I said, which did you like better, Disney World or the beach? And they all said, unanimously, the beach. And so I said, well, why did we spend all this money going to Disneyland, which, you know, you still spend tons of money. And I basically came to the conclusion that they, they preferred the beach because on the beach you can, you're in control of the experience. You can go into the water and wade against the crashing waves. You can pick up seashells. You can... Uh, dig in the sand. You can run around and chase birds. Whereas at Disneyland, you get in, you sit in a ride, and things come at you, and then you go sit in another ride, and things come at you. It's a very passive experience. Whereas the other is a very active experience. So when you keep your videos short, you're more likely to, to have an active experience for the user because the user can click around. Uh, you say, look, this is the video I want, or this one, or this one. And they're not like a 20 minute long ride. So. By keeping them short, uh, you do increase that active learning experience. A whole host of other things also follow. It's a lot easier easier to produce. The load time isn't something you have to worry about. Um, It's a lot easier to edit. Like in the post-process, you don't have this enormous timeline with all these contingencies that gets messed up if you make one small edit and so forth. So all right, I brought some stuff. Who knows what this little thing in the front is? It's for breath, isn't it? Yeah, pop filter. So everybody hold your hand in front of your mouth like this and say, pink pigs make the best bacon. Pink, pink pigs, pigs, make pigs make the best bacon. bacon. Y- you really gotta hold your hand there so you can feel the you plosive. Really feel yeah, the P's and the B's, but especially the P's, make a plosive sound. And when you have a microphone that's unprotected and you make a p sound it's kind of like this rush of wind just like hits the microphone and it will spike the audio and if you're listening to that it's like it's a little jarring so the pop filter which by the way is made of what?
3: pantyhose
0: Exactly. <laughs> it's made of pantyhose. Uh, it somehow stops the plosive so you want to you hold this, I don't know, that you can read the instructions, they say between whatever. But basically, a few inches away from your mic, it depends on the sensitivity of your microphone. But if you add that there, it does a good job at kind of cutting down the plosives. Now you'll see a problem though, this is kind of how I set up in my little recording room. Once you stick that there, it's really visually in the way. If you're trying to like look at your computer screen, you've got this thing right there, not only is it like, in the way, it's also kind of warm, hot because like your your breath is coming back at you, but it's worth it. It's worth it. Um, so I tried to make one out of pantyhose because if you look on YouTube, you you see yeah, all these it does videos, it. It does. and it's like you just need some wire and you put the wire in a circle, you put the pantyhose over the circle, and I really and I did that. How does it stay on there? And yeah, that's the well the pantyhose stays on the on the top part because it's just stretched across the circular wire.
3: That
0: that's I that's that. that's why you buy one. Because you oh. get the clip. Because the other way, I, I like wrapped the coat hanger around the microphone and then I taped it on there and it was just like really tacky. And I'm trying to get it off it left sticky masking tape. So I don't recommend that. Where did um, you buy this microphone? So we have, oh, I haven't got to the microphone yet. No. The pop filter, I got down at Performance, I think that's the name, Performance Downtown Audio. Audio. Downtown Salt Lake is an amazing store. It's like, I mean, they've, they, they've got both people who know what they're talking about They specialize in vocal audio, and uh, they'll order anything. Where are they? They're on like 126 and West Temple, so basically from the center of downtown south about two and a half miles. But yeah, performanceaudio.com, I think.
1: Performanceaudio.
0: Yeah. Uh, And I'll get into the mic a little bit later, but um, the the pop filter is definitely worth worth doing. I won't actually go through this because we've got some more, but. I'll put this on my blog later. You can, you can listen to all these samples if you want. What's, uh, uh, th- this is a guy who's saying, look, he, he doesn't like the pop filter. So what he does is he kind of records off access from the mic so that the burst of air misses it. Mm. You know, if you do that, then your voice isn't as strong in the mic, so it's a trade-off. But there's different people, different techniques. Sometimes these things are made of metal, which surprisingly works. They get runs in them extremely easily, so beware of that. Okay, we're on to tip number seven, smile while you narrate. This is one of these huge tips that if you're actually able to do, it makes a big difference. This is a guy named Dan Levine, and he's a voiceover coach. I don't think he's an actual voiceover pro because he's got kind of a list, but he's, he, what he says is really right on target.
1: almost every voiceover you'll ever do, whether it be a commercial or a narration, you need to smile. That doesn't necessarily mean you have to be laughing. There are all kinds of smiles. There are smiles that uh, represent happiness. There are smiles that represent reflection and kindness and, and thoughtful things, but you need to smile. Unless you're talking about something totally somber in a very negative way, you'll be smiling. And the only way to make what you read sound as if you're smiling or make it sound friendly is for you to actually put a smile on your face. So you really need to get used to smiling. One technique that you can uh, try is to read in front of a mirror and just practice smiling. Some people feel very uh, ill at ease doing that. They figure, well, if I'm not really laughing, how can I smile while I talk? But it's something that you just get used to. For example, if I were to say, Come in and see us today, you'll be glad you did. If I did that trying to smile, but without actually smiling, it would come across something like this. So come in to see us, you'll be glad you did. It's very difficult to do, but listen to the difference. So come in and see us, you'll be glad you did. And you can even grimace while you're doing it. You can put expressions into your face. to sound joyful, sound real. That's the other thing, sounding real. Sounding
0: authentic. Okay. So, so as you're narrating, right? You've got the you've got the words in your mind of what you're saying. You're kind of guiding along in the application, but you're also trying to smile. It really does change the whole tone of your voice in a pretty noticeable way. You could you could probably tell from that. I've got another example. I'm gonna I'm gonna um, play, which somebody has referred to in a very derogatory but funny way. <laughs> They called it vocal porn, which is like, it'll come more to light. <laughs> Don't worry. <laughs> um, but when you smile, it really, it really does put a lot more charisma in your voice. Um, there's, there was a study in Blink by Malcolm Gladwell. He didn't do the study; he reported on it. Where these, you've seen Lie to Me, the show where like the guy kind of detects. Uh, truthfulness of what people are saying by these micro-expressions on their faces. We'll take this to another level. In this study, Ekman and Friesen found that, and they were studying the micro-gestures, but they found that micro-gestures weren't just an expression from an inside feeling, they actually could also cause the inside feeling. So if you were to make the first uh, expression, 1A up there, and make this kind of grimace, ugly, kind of frown and so forth, after a while, you'd start to feel a little bit bad inside. Uh, Whereas if you start smiling more, you'll start to feel good naturally inside. And if you smile for a while, uh, eventually you just kind of kick into happy mode and then unconsciously you're just sort of smiling. Okay, so here's a couple these are commercial demo samples. Um, The first one is you can tell that the person is smiling. This is the one that somebody called vocal porn. Um, But but the, the person is smiling and then another one, they're, they're scrunched down. Actually, I'm the one with the scrunch down, but we won't play it. We'll just play this one. But you can tell that the person is not just reading something.
1: An Avon fragrance can be fresh and lasting. An Avon fragrance can also be cooling, soothing, refreshing, intriguing, and charming. <laughs> so whatever you wear, wear fragrance announcing a house guest. Crate and Barrel's new catalog is moving in with you for a year, because every single one of our best buys will be locked in at its current low price all year long. So go ahead and make Creighton Barrel's new catalog feel at home. At year's end, we guarantee you'll be sorry to see it go. We just found the missing piece of paradise. Sparkling turquoise lagoons, flawless beaches,
5: (laughs) lush forests filled with
1: the scent of orchids, and natives who tell stories with their hands when they dance. It's paradise. This fall, for the first time ever, the beautiful sea princess will offer vacation packages to the West Indies. She you can you. experience paradise. <laughs> 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 Introducing Dove Promises, a temptation of a deep and lingering chocolate wrapped in an evolving message. A chocolate and a Audio message <laughs> <to our master. laughs>
5: She's good. Okay.
0: So all right, um, Let me yeah. go back to that. So so you can tell now she's not just sitting there reading the script. She's probably really got smiling. an expression on her face and she's smiling. So as you kind of have that emotional expression on your face, it comes out in, in the, the delivery in a huge way. Listen next time uh, when you're listening to NPR and so forth. Uh, you can kind of tell when somebody is smiling. It makes it a lot. It takes off the soft. E- it takes off the hard edges and kind of puts a softer tone and something a little more warm and appealing and so forth. So I don't have that much time. So I'm going to skip ahead to. This is avoiding phlegm. This is your vocal cords. Uh, oh, yeah, basically, drink no, don't drink any milk, or eat dairy don't if you milk. want to avoid <coughs> and so forth. I want to get to some a part where I think a lot of people have questions. All right, uh, the microphone, uh, because this is a part. I always run out of time. I guess I should shorten this presentation and so forth. Yeah, the microphone, very long. we end at four, right? That's yeah. The microphone is something that most people are like, which microphone do I get? Because there are thousands of microphones out there, and I brought some. I brought a whole bunch of stuff just for fun, because I like to haul around a bunch of audio gear and p- put it in little bags and cart it around. Not so. You have lots of choices when you sit down to record. Right here, I've got handheld microphones, but you, you've got at least four categories of choices. One, a headset or, a micro, or, or, a micro, or like a handheld microphone, a USB or an XLR microphone, the choice of a stand, and then you've got all kinds of other options, like if it is a handheld microphone, you get a dynamic or a cardioid or an omnidirectional or one of these figure eight mics. So uh, let me give you a rundown on what I think. So it depends on your budget. If you've got a $10,000 budget, well, then by all means, go ahead and buy a, uh, the, the nicest microphone you can. But even if you do buy the nicest microphone, it may not have that much of an impact. Some other, other variables come into play. Um, but let's start at back at the first classification on the headset or USB mic. If you've got a headset, the mic's out of your way, right? You don't have anything in front of your face distracting you. But generally, the headset, and you can buy you can buy a $400 headset, a countryman headset, you can spend four or $500 on one of these things. And you see people like Next, uh, who are narrating football games, they've got headsets on, right? Uh, some of them do. So the disadvantage with the headset is that you can't really turn your, your mouth away from the mic. So if you wanna take a d- big deep breath or something, good luck, right? You can put a little um, windscreen on them, like imagine this really small, and that will cut down on some of the, the breathing noises and so forth, but not a whole lot. Um, if you do go the handheld route, then you're then you're using another sort of connecting device. This is an XLR cable, and this who has a computer that this plugs into? <laughs> Nobody, right? So, so you have to introduce some more equipment. Usually, you have like a mixer. This is a cheap, like sixty dollar, fifty dollar mixer. And you plug this little guy into the mixer. And some mixers, like the Elysis, have a USB output. So then you just plug that into your computer. Um, but if you don't, then you have to have an audio interface that converts the analog signal into a digital signal. And they sell that's like another 150 bucks but i've actually what i'm wearing right here this is a zoom it will do the same thing and it will record in a lot of different ways but basically if you do this route you you have to buy more gear but the sound generally is a lot richer it's just better Uh, and maybe that's my experience with different usb mics but handheld mics in my opinion beat usb mics hands down but they're more more hassle you got to set all this stuff up you know it's not just a quick pop into the conference room pop out and sort of thing the actual microphone um, so this is like a radio shack mic but it's the same these are dynamic microphones rather than condenser microphones if you go to a, a high class radio studio a lot of times they'll have condenser microphones the physics is different basically in short the condenser microphones pick up more sound they're more sensitive so you have to be really careful. Like if you had this noise, it would be a nightmare with a condenser. Uh, the dynamic microphone, um, especially the dynamic cardioid microphone is gonna only pick up the sound kind of right around here. So if you get a handheld, get a dynamic cardioid microphone and the quality of the microphone doesn't make that much of a difference. I could play you clips from this Radio Shack mic, the Shure microphone and the electrovoice. Um, re twenty microphone and they all kind of sound about the same. Uh, this one has some other advantages. Like if you uh, if you're off axis, um, it kind of registers it all the same. It doesn't. There's not a lot of variation. If you're close, if you're far, it's kind of it normalizes it a lot better and and it sounds a little better. It's uh, but it's more pricey. But it's not really worth the extra price. So I'll just play one one example. Um, from this mic, and you can see if you think it's uh, that exciting. It's my voice, so it's probably not that exciting anyway. But, and then I'll play from the cheapest mic, or from one of the USB mics, and you can see the difference. After you install WordPress through the installer script, you'll probably want to create a username and password that's more memorable to you. You can set up a new user by going to the user section in the administrative area of WordPress. Okay, I'll play some other ones. Here's the cheap lapel mic. After you install WordPress through the installer script, you'll probably want to create a username and a password. Actually, that wasn't that cheap of Mike. Here's a really cheap one. After you install WordPress through the installer script, you'll probably want to create a username and a password that's a little more memorable. To All right, and here's the condenser. After you install WordPress through the installer script, you'll probably want to create a username and password that's a little more memorable to you. You can set up the Okay, so it's kind of hard to hear all the subtleties. Basically, uh, I like the handheld mics. You can spend a lot of money on a, mic- on a microphone. You can spend a little money on a microphone. Really, the vocal technique is what drives it. This is why I uh, kind of put this as the last point. I always thought that the difference between amateurs and professionals was yeah, they, they had some vocal technique, but I thought, no, it's their microphones. They've got big fancy studio microphones and processors and all kinds of things. So I went out and bought like a really expensive microphone, which the EV is, and it really doesn't make that much of a difference. What really determines your vocal quality is all these other things that, that we've been going over. <coughs> the, the inflection, um, the, the smile, the projection. I didn't talk about some other principles but breathing properly and so forth. Uh, all these can, can make a big difference in how you sound. So, my website is I'd rather be writing.com. I'm going to post this presentation, the recording of it, and, any, and I'll point you to some other blog posts that I've got on all this, and, and you can check out those resources. Any questions of, of any kind? Joe?
2: I've always liked your H4 a lot. Yeah? Now that it's all said and done, you've been doing all your mind work the H4 seems almost as rich indeed. Yeah. Are you using that or are you still doing No, that?
0: I'm doing I'm doing this setup. You know, when you have headphones on, you can really hear a lot of difference, a lot of difference. I don't think I don't think it's worth it's worth that much spending much more money on, really. But but yeah, you you can start to note the difference more when you've got headphones. I like the handheld, but there's not a whole big it's, it's not enough to spend hundreds of dollars doing. Okay, thanks guys, and I'll let Paul uh, close us out here.
5: So well,
3: I'd like to thank all of our presenters today and Tom um, and uh, Joe for giving the presentations. Thank you all for coming, we're glad to have had you here.